Section number 19 of Grotesques and Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew Nerger. Grotesques and Fantasies by Israel Zangville. Flutterduck. Chapter 2. A Migratory Bird. There strode a stranger to the door, and it was windy weather. Tennyson the goose one day when rachel was nineteen there came to the workshop a handsome young man he had been brought by a placard in the window of the chandler's shop and was found to answer perfectly to its wants he took his place at the work table and soon came to the front as a wage earner wielding a dexterous needle that rarely snapped even in white fur his name was emmanuel lefkovich and his seat was next to rachel's for rachel had long since entered into her career and the beauty of her early blossoming womanhood was bent day after day over strips of rabbit skin which she made into sealskin jackets for compensation to her youth rachel walked out on the sabbath elegantly attired in the latest fashion she ordered her own frocks now having a banking account of her own in a tin box that was hidden away in her little bedroom her father honorably paid her a wage as large as she would have got elsewhere otherwise she would have gone there her sabbath walks extended as far as hyde park and she loved to watch the fine ladies cantering in the row or lolling in luxurious carriages sometimes she even peeped into fashionable restaurants she became the admiring disciple of a girl who worked at a jewish furrier's in regent street and whose occidental habitat gave her a halo of aristocracy even on friday nights rachel would disappear from the sacred domesticity of the sabbath hearth and Flutterduck suspected that she went to the Cambridge Music Hall in Spitalfields. This led to dramatic scenes, for Rachel's frowardness had not decreased with age. If she had only gone out with some accredited young man, Flutterduck could have borne the scandal in view of the joyous prospect of becoming a grandmother. But no, Rachel tolerated no matrimonial advances, not even from the most seductive of Shad Chemin though her voluptuous figure and rosy lips marked her out for the marriage broker's eye. Her father had grown sterner with the growth of his malady, and though at the bottom of his heart he loved and was proud of his beautiful Rachel, the words that rose to his lips were often as harsh and bitter as Flutter Duck's own, so that the girl would withdraw sullenly into herself and hold no converse with her parents for days. Nevertheless, there were plenty of halcyon intervals, especially in the busy season, when the extra shillings made the whole workroom brisk and happy, and the furriers gossiped of this and that, and told stories more droll than decorous. And then, too, every day was a delightfully inevitable sweep towards the Sabbath, and every Sabbath was a spoke in the great revolving wheel that brought round to them picturesque festivals or solemn fasts scarcely less enjoyable. And so there was an undercurrent of poetry below the sordid prose of daily life, and rifts in the grey fog, through which they caught glimpses of the azure vastness overarching the world and the advent of Emmanuel Lefkovich distinctly lightened the atmosphere. His handsome face, his gay spirits, were like an influx of ozone. Rachel was perceptibly the brighter for his presence. She was gentler to everybody, even to her parents, and chatted vivaciously, and walked with an airier step. The sickly master furrier's face lit up with pleasure as from his sofa he watched Emmanuel's assiduous attentions to his girl in the way of picking up scissors and threading needles, and he frowned when Flutterduck hovered about the young man, chattering and monopolizing his conversation. But one fine morning, some months after Emmanuel's arrival, 
a change came over the spirit of the scene. There was a knock at the door, and an ugly, shabby woman in a green tartan shawl entered. She scrutinized the room sharply, then uttered a joyful cry of, Emmanuel, my love, and threw herself upon the handsome young man with an affectionate embrace. Emmanuel, flushed and paralyzed, was a ludicrous figure, and the workers tittered, not unfamiliar with marital contremps. Let me be, he said sullenly at last, as he untwined her dogged arms. I tell you I won't have anything to do with you. It's no use. Oh, Emmanuel, love, don't say that. Not after all these months. Go away, cried Emmanuel hoarsely. Be not so obstinate, she persisted, in wheedling accents, stroking his flaming cheeks. Kiss little Joshua and little Miriam. Here the spectators became aware of two woebegone infants dragged at her skirts. Go away, repeated Emmanuel passionately, and pushed her from him with violence. The ugly, shabby woman burst into hysterical tears. My own husband, dear people, she sobbed, addressing the room. My own husband, married to me in Poland five years ago. See, I have the sesuba. She half drew the marriage parchment from her bosom. And he won't live with me. Every time he runs away from me. Last time I saw him was in Liverpool, on the eve of tabernacles, and before that I had to go and find him in Newcastle, and he promised me never to go away again. Yes, you did, you know you did, Emmanuel, love, and here have I been looking weeks for you, at all the furriers and tailors, without bread and salt for the children, and the board of guardians won't believe me, and blame me for coming to London. Oh, Emmanuel, love, God shall forgive you. Her dress was disheveled, her wig awry. Big tears streamed down her cheeks. "'How can I live with a witch like that?' asked Emmanuel, in brutal self-defense. "'There are worse than me in the world,' rejoined the woman meekly. "'Nee, nee,' roughly interposed the master furrier, who had risen from his sofa in the excitement of the scene. "'It is beautiful not to live with one's wife,' he paused to cough. "'You must not put her to shame.' "'It is she who puts me to shame,' Emmanuel turned to Rachel, who had let her work slip to the floor and whose face had grown white and stern, and continued deprecatingly, I never wanted her. They caught me by a trick. Don't talk to me, snapped Rachel, turning her back on him. The woman looked at her suspiciously. The girl's beauty seemed to burst upon her face for the first time. He is my husband, she repeated, and made as if she would draw out the kesaba again. Nee, nee, enough, said the master furrier curtly. You're wasting our time. Your husband shall live with you, or he shall not work with me. You have deceived us, you rogue, put in Flutter Duck shrilly. Did I ever say I was a single man? retorted Emmanuel, shrugging his shoulders. There, he confess it. There, he confesses it, cried his wife in glee. Come, Emmanuel, love, as she threw her arms round his neck and kissed him passionately. Do not be obstinate. I can't come now, he said, with sulky facetiousness. Where are you living? She told him, and he said he would come when work was over. "'On your faith?' she asked, with another uneasy glance at Rachel. "'On my faith,' he answered. She moved towards the door, with her draggled tail of infants. As she was vanishing, he called shamefacedly to the departing children. "'Well, Joshua, well, Miriam, is this the way one treats a father? A nice way your mother has brought you up.' They came back to him dubiously, with unwashed pathetic faces, and he kissed them. Rachel bent down to pick up her rabbit skin. Work was resumed in dead silence. End of Flutter Duck, Chapter 2